We're in our second week of our Not For Kids Only series. Uh, we have No Children's Church today, or next Sunday as well, even though they appear to be disappearing on me. Oh, okay. But uh, I am excited about our message this morning, our time together in the Word. And uh, as we get going this morning, of course, I have another one of my fairest famous questions for you. Oh boy, here we go. You wonder, where's he going today? Adults and kids alike, do you have a hero? That's my question. Do you have a hero? We think of that word hero, don't we? We often attach it to certain individuals. Uh, for some people, it, it seems to come more obvious than others. Uh, there's also another word, superhero, we hear. And here's a few examples of superheroes. And before I get too into this, I want to, uh, can we have a round of applause for Karen? She spent a lot of time this week making this look really pretty and really nice. And she deserves a lot of credit and chocolate, I've been told. So, okay. Superhero. And uh, maybe some of you can name all these different uh, characters. Probably is a little more obvious, but different eras of the characters even. Uh, that's how talented Karen is. Um, but maybe if you're a big fan of, of Superman or Spider-Man, uh, Batman, uh, any man, uh, <clears throat> maybe you consider these people your hero. I don't know. I was quite surprised in my house recently after seeing countless episodes of Barbie and My Little Pony and these kind of things. The two uh, smallest daughters of mine, they still ended up just recently becoming big fans of Spider-Man. And so it's been this all the time. Like, what are you doing? Oh, throwing a web. Okay, I, I get it. And maybe that's a welcome replacement. You know, I'll take Spider-Man over Barbie, right? Um, right, guys? But... Uh, even among our adult brethren, superheroes can be a big deal. Be a big deal. Uh, who saw the last Marvel movie or, or uh, whatever it was? <laughs> Boy, Josh, you really know what you're talking about this morning. But superheroes, they can be our heroes. And there's other kinds of heroes in the world. Uh, maybe there's a singer or an athlete or, or a movie star we might consider our hero. And they don't necessarily have to be your hero personally to be recognized as one. Uh, some individuals seem to be given hero status just for showing up on TV a few times, right? Um, we might even question uh, another person's hero, some of these names, some of these faces. But they are what they are, right? They are what they are. And then, of course, moving forward, there's also the kind of hero we heard so much about. And some of us remember these heroes well uh, from the events right after September 11. Uh, that's what uh, these pictures are here from, September 11 and in the days that followed. Uh, when the Twin Towers fell in New York, there were certainly a variety of heroes responding to the scene and in the aftermath of that terrible tragedy. And the screen behind me contains just a few of them. And for just a moment, maybe it was too short of a moment, but for a few moments or a year or however long that was, for many Americans, there was a continued sense of honoring our heroes, right? Uh, we seem to notice that in this nation, the ones with us as well as the fallen. And here's a, here's a few more of those, uh, not from 9-11, but just other heroes we might think of or we might name. But as you continue to uh, think of what your answer may be to the question, who is my hero? Uh, I've got just a little bit of history for you on that word. 
And the adults may find this more interesting than the kids. But in ancient Greek, the same language, of course, in which the New Testaments of our Bibles were written, this, this word, uh, heros, H-E-R-O-S, heros, no E, referred to any man originally who fought in the Trojan War some 1,200 years before Christ. And uh, no matter how embellished these accounts may have been by Greek and Roman poets and storytellers, but later on, the word heroes changed. We talked about last week, remember, words have a tendency to change over time. Um, over the years, this Greek word, H-E-R-O-S, came to refer to any man who had passed away. One source reads, uh, quote, because his fame during life or his unusual manner of death gave him power to support and protect the living. Now, that sounds a little more familiar, doesn't it? The kind of hero we might think of. Now, although we don't consider a hero today only someone that's passed away, there are certainly similarities in how we honor our American heroes, aren't there? When we see, for example, um, the 9-11 uh, war monuments that stand today, and here's, here's a variety of those. We got them to fit on one screen. Uh, we can be reminded that the ancient Greeks had monuments to citizens of the ancient city of Marathon. Uh, in Marathon, a, a great Grecian battle was fought in 490 BC. And this is the history of this idea of honoring heroes, of having monuments to heroes and events. Now, the Greeks didn't, on the whole, consider their heroes people to worship like they did Zeus. But they paid them honor, they paid them respect as we do today. But consider this, when it comes to placing someone on a pedestal, when it comes to placing someone on a slab of concrete, is there anyone more deserving of this honor than our great God? Who's your hero? Who is your hero ultimately? During a time in which, in which Greek idols, Zeus and others, were being worshipped, it was no coincidence. God was literally born as a man named Jesus Christ. The timing is interesting. If you think about where we were in the way we considered people of influence, we discussed last week in our message entitled, God is Real, how God himself wasn't ever born. He always just existed. And Jesus Christ always existed as God, but unlike God the Father, as we said last week, God the Son, this Jesus came to be born among us. It's incredible when we think about it. Micah, the prophet Micah in the Old Testament tells us, chapter 5, verse 2, that the Son was sent from the Father. And the prophet Isaiah tells us in 7:14, chapter 7, verse 14 of Isaiah, that he would be Emmanuel, meaning God with us. This is the only time it's ever happened. Zeus never came. God came. Jesus came. Now, there have been many heroes spanning the ages, haven't there? But Jesus Christ is my hero. He was God himself coming from God to man. The Gospel of John, I think one of the most incredible books uh, anyone's ever written, probably my favorite book of the Bible, chapter 1, verse 1, says it this way, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Wow! Wow! 
Think of that. Think of that. No one else has ever done this but Jesus. This Greek word translated word, which John uses in his book, was originally uh, logos, Greek word. It was a popular word both for Jews, those readers of the Old Testament, and the Greeks at the time it was written. It speaks of the greatness of Jesus, how he's our hero as he was revealed to a people who had already known some heroes, some big names, had put a few people on a few pedestals. This word uh, logos we find in our Jewish scripture, Psalm 33, verse 6, for example, which says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. In Psalm 107.20, it says he sent out his word and healed them. The logos of God or the word of God was for Jewish readers the personification of God's revelation. Let me say that another way so you don't think I'm saying supercalifragilisticexpialidocious up here. This was God revealed in a person. They would understand it that way. For the Greek readers at the time, they would understand logos as the connecting piece. The the link between God and people. No matter who you were in the ancient world, at the time you read these words, Jesus would be understood as he who is worthy of all the honor in the world. That's the way this text would be understood when it was written. He who is worthy of all honor. A hero. A hero. We've got some worldly heroes today that are born in or they come to achieve a seat in the lap of luxury. In the late 1980s, which is the era of these people, if you can't tell, there might even be a uh, face or two up there you might recognize if you think about it long enough, but uh, that's, that's for you to figure out. I'm not going to reveal that. I might get in trouble if I do. But in the late 1980s, there was a survey, uh, not to these folks, but uh, to high school students in one part of the country. And it contained the question, and I ran across this recently. I thought it was really interesting, uh, historically. An overwhelming uh, answer. uh, First, let me tell you the question. The question was, who would you like to most follow an example as you become an adult? Who do you look up to? And this was the late 1980s. Before I tell you the answer, remember this. An overwhelming answer to the survey was Mr. Donald Trump. Now, regardless of our opinion of uh, President Trump today, I think most of us would agree that 30 years or so ago, Mr. Trump's reputation and surroundings were a little different, little different. Uh, Some of the church, most of the church probably even considered his aspirations worldly at best. 1980s, again, let's go back in time here. Mr. Trump is likely considered a hero for uh, some folks today for many different reasons than he probably was at this time on the timeline. But to a little town named Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, uh, Jesus didn't arrive to a family of success. He didn't come for the purpose of showing off good business sense. On the other hand, his was the biggest riches to rag story of all time. Incredible. Goes completely against who we normally think of as a hero. As a hero, doesn't it? Showing a spirit of humility, Jesus, the Son of God, would be not only the means by which God the Father only created the world, says Hebrews uh, chapter 1, verse 2. The Bible says this. The means by which God created the world. But also how God would bridge the sin gap to the world. Colossians 1, 6. Jesus made you and he saved you. It's incredible. 
Jesus put the whole world on his shoulders after setting all things in motion. I don't know about you, but this is my hero. This is my hero, indeed. Do you know how to make a hero sandwich? I'll, I'll let you uh, think on that for a moment. <laughs> that's, that's the best part, isn't it? I just thought we would uh, thoroughly cover the subject of hero this morning, you know. If you've not had one, uh, kids, ask your parents to make you a hero sandwich this week because they're going to sound delicious, and everybody's going to be hungry when I get done. And, you know, I'll either be uh, uh, making people happy or hungry and upset at me. I don't know, but... <laughs> she had to say what everyone was thinking, you know? Now, this is sermon research. That's the best part. Do you know where the name Hero Sandwich comes from? The name Hero Sandwich actually comes from New York eateries in 1937. But this Italian creation is also known, of course, by a lot of other names. Here's some hoagie grinder, sub, po' boy, blimpy. It was first popularized in the 1890s. But to answer my own question from earlier, there are actually many different ways to make a Hero Sandwich. Now, one popular version or recipe looks something like this. Between the buns, you have eight layers. I don't have them marked up here, but there's actually eight layers to this uh, one on the screen behind me as well. And you might want to take notes here, but you don't have to. But there's a layer of cured pork. The word is capicola, not Coca-Cola. That's something else that's delicious. Capicola, a layer of bologna or mortadella, a layer of salami with garlic. This is a great sermon. A layer of provolone cheese. A layer of veggies. A spread of oil. Some red vinegar and plenty of Mediterranean oregano. Amen? Who's ready to make this a two-part sermon? We'll skip out to lunch. <laughs> Eight ingredients, right? Eight ingredients making up one version of the popular hero sandwich. Now, I find this completely delicious to think about, but this still doesn't compete with Jesus, the bread of life. But interestingly enough, I'd actually like to count eight prophecies, or Old Testament ingredients, if you will, that went into the formation of my hero, Jesus. Preacher, we knew you always have to tie it back to food, don't you? Just like you might build eight ingredients for a hero sandwich, I'd like, to I'd like you to join me in taking down a list of eight prophecies if you care to take some notes for my hero Jesus. If you have some room somewhere in your bulletin or you wish to do this, uh, you're welcome to. If you want to start making a list, you can start making a list right now with the header, Prophecies Christ Fulfilled. And just under Prophecies Christ Fulfilled, you can start taking these down, and I'll have them on the screen behind me too, because I don't want you to miss an ingredient. They're important. Number one is, Jesus is the seed of a woman. Where do we start with the hero that is Jesus? Well, we can look at Genesis 3.15. This is where it all starts. God says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Remember this text? 
And then later, much later, in Matthew, thousands of years later, the first chapter, which gives that genealogy from Abraham, the descendant of Adam and Eve, all the way to Joseph, the husband of Mary, in verse 20, an angel says to Joseph, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. The seed of the woman is where it all begins scripturally, with Jesus Christ, the first prophecy he fulfilled. And by the way, in case you're already thinking, why only eight? Didn't Christ only fulfill, or didn't Christ fulfill a lot more prophecies than this? Uh, yeah, but it'd be, some, it'd be about a mile-high sandwich. I mean, we're talking 400 ingredients, so, you know, you've got to be able to fit the whole thing in your mouth. So, we're going with eight today. Of a sandwich. Now, here's ingredient or uh, prophecy number two for your list. Isaiah 7.14 says this, uh, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25 uh, confirms the fulfilling of this prophecy with the birth of Christ. Isn't it amazing? This is God we're talking about. God was born, God came to us, was born with nothing, barely even uh, a set of parents. Barely that. And yet he chose to come to us in these circumstances. This is amazing if you think about it. We don't spend a lot of time meditating on this. Maybe around uh, December we do, but uh, throughout the year, do we often stop and think about the fact Christ was born of a virgin or a young woman? Uh, very important that we keep that in mind. Okay, number three ingredient for my hero, Son of God. Jesus was and is the Son of God. And we've been talking about this last week and today. Jesus is not God the Father. We need to keep that in mind. We don't want to confuse the two. But He is God the Son. And our scripture for this prophecy, fulfilling it, is found in Psalm 2, verse 7 even within the Old Testament, which says, the Lord says to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Jesus is the only begotten son. Very important that we understand this as well. Now, the first three ingredients have, have perhaps been the real, if you will, meat of our ingredient list, haven't they? Like those first three layers of meat. But if that wasn't enough in the stack for our bodies, hearts, and minds, I'm going to press on with five more. Five more prophecies about Jesus. And I hope I'm making you just, just as hungry for the bread of life as, as you are for Subway over here in Stanton a few minutes ago. Number four um, is Jesus is son of Isaac. Jesus was the son of Isaac. And this is important. Uh, it may seem uh, at first like less important, but it's kind of like that layer of cheese, you know? If it wasn't there, we would miss it. In Genesis 21.12, God says to Abraham, uh, whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac, your offspring be named. Shall your offspring be named? And then in Luke, the third chapter, where we're given Christ's genealogy from creation, guess what? In verse 34, Jesus is noted to be the son of Isaac. The son of Isaac. It's important. The bloodline for my hero is super important. Got to note it. And, and that leads me on to number five. Number five is this. Jesus comes from the house of David. If you remember, uh, back in Jeremiah 23.5, and I know I got a lot of scripture this morning. That's why I've uh, got it up here too. 
But the prophet says in Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah 23, 5, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Who is that speaking of? Uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. And we hear this often again around December. Who is raised up as a righteous branch? The one that comes to town from the town of Nazareth because he was of the house and lineage of David. So important. This traditional Christmas story, which we read every single month of December at Ferris Church of Christ, think of all the layers of prophecy. You know, we, we skip over them. We go over them so quickly. But they really uh, add up to quite a sandwich, if you think about it. What's the sixth ingredient here? What's the sixth ingredient? I touched on this one last week briefly. Where was Jesus, the Son of God, born? From the house of David, born in Bethlehem, wasn't he? Born in Bethlehem. Again, location, so important. We know who he is because of where he came from. This prophecy originated in Micah uh, chapter 5, verse 2. It was fulfilled in Luke chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2 as well. Well, uh, we'll move quickly through the last couple here. Number seven and eight of our ingredient list. How do you top this off? How are we going to top this off this morning? Two more layers, you know, just like the oils and oregano on that sandwich. These are going to really provide the taste, if you will. Number seven for you to jot down on your list. Hosea uh, chapter 11 tells us that Jesus shall be called out of Egypt. Well, when is this fulfilled? Do you remember Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 15, when that angel tells Joseph to take Mary and Jesus to Egypt to get them away from King Herod? Do you know why that is? Do you remember why? Maybe most important here. Maybe most important. Jesus would be a king. Jesus would be a king. And please make a note of that. Referenced in Psalm 2.6 and Jeremiah 23. Think of that powerful image of that star in the sky, followed by those wise men in Matthew 2, the ones who were looking for he who has been born who? King of the Jews. King of the Jews. And again, we could count nearly 400 more prophecies about Jesus. We could, we could spend all day going through all of them. But these are just eight and Jesus fulfilled these either at birth or just after being born. The Son of God did all these things as a baby. As a baby. Clearly a hero. You've just heard a list of ingredients that uh, make up a hero sandwich. More importantly, you've also uh, heard a list of ingredients that I believe make up a hero. I believe make up a hero. And... I guess my question is, why settle for anything less on your plate? Why settle for anything less? One commentator notes that from Genesis 3.15 onward, how far is that in our Bible? A couple pages? A couple chapters? Jesus, the Son of God, is the Bible's favorite subject. We're three chapters in into this collection of books. The hero of God's story, the Bible, is introduced almost right away in its narrative. Mankind needs Christ to save us from the point we're created practically. 
almost at the beginning. After we fell in the garden, God's word says that we were at that time separated from Christ, alienated, it says, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. This is what we're told in the book of Ephesians. Immediately, but then it continues. And this is the good news. This is the good news. But now in Christ Jesus, now in Christ Jesus, praise the name of Jesus. We who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So the Bible doesn't waste any time in talking about our hero because we need to know our hero right away. Consider that Jesus the hero is literally larger than life itself. I love this picture up here. Karen found this picture, and I think it just, it shows that majesty, the glory that our Bible reveals about Jesus Christ, our Lord and God. Amen? One author writes this. To me, Jesus is not only my Lord and Savior. He is also my hero. I spent 21 years in the United States Air Force, and as a military man, I love the depth of meaning in the word hero. However, as my relationship with Jesus continues to grow and I learn more and more about what he did, is doing, and will do for me, I know that it is only Jesus who fulfills the definition of a true hero. He continues, what did it take for Jesus to make the correct choice to follow the will of God when he came to a crossroad in his life in the Garden of Gethsemane? The author continues, courage. It took courage. Jesus knew he was going to be handed over the authorities to be tortured and crucified. In fact, Jesus knew this when he created us, that we were going to put him to death. Jesus was very aware of the agony he would have to endure when he made that hill, when he made the wood that he'd be crucified on. And yet Jesus chose, the Son chose to obey his Father and go to the cross. That's a hero. That's a hero. Think about it. Jesus bravely did the will of, of only the Father, never his own, but only the Father in his healings. In the way Jesus showed compassion, in each time Jesus stood up to a Pharisee or he extended mercy to the promiscuous, all before laying his own life down for the entire world, John 3.16, amen? This is a hero. The work of Jesus Christ, the hero, doesn't even end with what has been done, what's recorded. That's just the beginning. But what Christ is doing today through his church, through us, Psalm 90, verse 17, and what he will still do tomorrow in defeating death, 1 Corinthians 15. So what does this mean? What does this mean for those of us who choose to follow? who choose to follow Christ's footsteps. Shouldn't we all be making not Spider-Man or a businessman or, or a rock and roll guitar man or a sportsman or any other man, but Jesus Christ, our hero too, for what he has done. We still hear this question asked sometimes in uh, contemporary Christian culture. What would Jesus do? As in, what would this hero do if he were in my shoes? Well, how do I answer that question? I read this. I get into this book. 
early, middle, it's all about him. You go here. Jesus journeyed 40 miles on foot to be baptized by John in the third chapter of Matthew. Shouldn't I prioritize baptism the same way? Jesus asked for us to meet around this table on the first day of every week. If I consider Jesus the Son of God my hero, shouldn't I make it my very own desire to be here faithfully on the first day of the week? If Jesus says, be faithful unto death in Revelation 2.10, shouldn't I spend my time not trying to see how much worldly influence I can endure and still be a Christian, but instead strive to look like Jesus? Superman faced kryptonite that weakened him. I remember, uh, was it Christopher Reeve that played uh, Superman uh, back in the 80s? And, and it was all, you know, uh-oh, kryptonite. We face the devil. We face the devil. By the way, that was just me getting out of bed every morning. That. We face the devil, but you know what? The Bible promises that greater is he that is in us. That's a promise. We just have to keep our eyes on Jesus, the one true hero out of all the hero stories we'll ever read. He's for real. How do we follow Jesus in all that we do? How do we continue this on? Fortunately, we're not all uh, called. <laughs> we're not all called to the same ministry, but Christians are all called to ministry. If you're a Christian, you're already in the full-time ministry. Whether you embrace that or not, you've been called to ministry. Romans chapter 15, verses 2 to 3 says, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up, for Christ did not please himself. How is this supposed to work? One author writes, God creates us with unique talents and skills and brings us into community with one another to help those who are weaker, to support one another. It sounds as if we just need the courage, too, to remember that we have a place in the work of Jesus. Amen? That takes courage. But in Christ, we too can show the world a real hero. The world is desperate for a hero. And Superman isn't going to do it. It's too heavy for Superman, this world. Jesus has already overcome the world, though. One author asked the question, remember David and Goliath, what makes a hero is not is not size, stature, or supernatural powers. What makes a hero is obediently following God's will, sacrificing for a neighbor, and lifting up others who are weak. That's what makes a hero. Remember again those responders in the aftermath of 9-11. Think of a police officer, a firefighter, a soldier, someone who was called to lay their life on the line for someone else. They're called and they respond, that's a hero. Behind all of it, there's no better example of obediently following God's will for one's life, self-sacrifice, and the lifting of others than Jesus Christ. No better example. He was in the best and is the best at it. He was called and he responded. So you have a calling. Maybe it's preaching or farming or computer engineering or teaching or cleaning a kitchen or just going to school because you're a kid. How do you follow Jesus right where you are? Be the best you can be at it. Be fearlessly excellent. Live up to the Christian name Jesus has given you. Follow the pattern God the Father has shown you by His Son. Amen.
Because others will see something unique in you, something heroic, and they'll look for the source. Something's different about that person. Something's different. Let's face it, most of the names that are being billed to us as heroes in the world aren't, aren't much to speak of. Some are, but some aren't. Some of them wear a pretty mask, but taking it off reveals a very different person. Do you know the difference between Batman and a robber? Batman can go into a store without robbing. That's not where I was going with that anyway. But here's the truth. Heroes can hold us for a little while, but never in eternity, right? We move on. We move on to the next guy or whoever. In the end, many of the heroes in this life really are just robbers of our time. Whew, I worked that in somehow. I'm living proof that Jesus is real. <laughs> and here's five reasons why Jesus is, is my hero. This is actually on loan uh, from one blogger with whom I agreed every word. I wanted to share it this morning. Number one, Jesus took away my worries. Philippians 4, 6. This is what he does. He takes away our worries. He replaces them with prayer. And this makes all the difference. My hero. This is what he does. Number two, Jesus brings a peace into our daily lives. John 14, 27. My knowing that Jesus is truly in charge, I can follow him freely. Amen? Number three, Jesus is real, and Jesus makes me real. Jesus makes it okay for me to be real. I don't have to have a facade. I don't need to play pretend. I don't need to go through the motions of faith. I just need to glorify God before others. Take the gospel before others. Jesus makes me real. That's what we all want to be anyway. Because number four, Jesus taught me not to fear. If Jesus faced death, I can do the same someday. Actually, if Jesus faced life in this world, whom shall I fear while I'm alive in this world? And finally, number five, Jesus brought me into this church. Jesus brings me into the church. He gives me, gives you a place among the saints. And he lifted me up and lifts me up daily to serve there. He does the same for you. And it's obvious it's God's will that I follow his son in all that I do. This is what Jesus can do for you as well. Is Jesus your hero? Will you let him lead you to? He made you. He saved you. Will you let him lead you? I thought this last, this last slide was cute. Out of all these heroes, Jesus says, and that's how I save the world. Will you let Jesus be your hero too? Let's pray. Lord, Often, Lord, in this world, we, uh, 
we might feel lost. We might feel without direction and without a, a place to go, without an example to follow. And Lord, then we look into, into your word and we see how you gave up everything in glory to come to us, to be born as a nobody in the middle of nowhere. Because, Lord, you, you set an example for us to show us how to travel in this world as well. Lord, there's so many people that are, that, that are vying for that attention and so many things that vie for the attention of our hearts. Lord, we can make heroes, we can make idols out of, out of so much. Lord, I pray that there would be only one that we would put on, it, on a pedestal, that there would be only one that we would lift up, that there would only be one that we would want to glorify. Lord, it's so easy for us to get, uh, get pulled away, get distracted. Lord, our, our attention spans grow short as, as our technology and as our uh, so-called wisdom and philosophy advance, and we forget we forget about Bethlehem. We forget about you. Lord, I thank you that you are the answer. You are the answer. We're not promised a, a smooth ride in this life. We're not, we're not promised to always understand why things happen. We don't always know why you allow certain things. But we do know that you know. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to remember that you have already overcome this world. Help us, Lord, to glorify your name in all that we do, in all that we say, in all of our relationships, and in all of our endeavors. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for coming to us. We thank you for making us and saving us and leading us. Lord, I just pray that, that you would give us courage, courage like, like you've shown in your word, that we can kneel down and we can say, Lord, it's all about you. Lord, we, we've not uh, nearly been called to, to uh, the physical sacrifice that you've shown, but we are called to be living sacrifices today. God, may your word and your spirit fill us and draw us closer to you. Help us to show this world as your people, as your church, that there is a hero that has already saved them, that loves them, that wants to be with them for eternity. And when others look at us, may they see you, Lord. It is in the name of Jesus I pray these things. Amen. If you haven't yet made a decision to follow Jesus all the way home, we extend that to you this morning. Uh, these waters uh, wait up here. As Jesus, I said earlier, walked miles and miles and miles on foot to show us the importance of this water, the importance of the burial and resurrection, baptism.
If you haven't yet made this decision, we urge you to come forward in Christian baptism. Or if you have another decision that you'd like to make, you'd like to say, well, at one point, at one point Jesus was my hero, but I've gotten away a little bit and, and I've idolized some things and, and I just want to, uh, I just want to uh, make a decision today to, to come back home. We invite you to do that too. As we stand and sing this invitation song, uh, Jesus is a mighty good leader. Would you stand?